Welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO. And today we're actually offsite at a special place, special location here in New York City at Rogata. And I'm sitting with the co-founder, Kenny Rosenzweig. That's right. Of Rogata. Kenny, welcome to the Project Purple Podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for thanks for coming in. No problem, man. Uh, for the listeners at home, Kenny is also an alumni of Project Purple, has a personal connection, ran for us last year in the New York City Marathon, crushed it. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit, but uh, today's podcast is going to be about what you're doing here in the city involving fitness, which is exciting. We're actually here in the studio. I know I wish I always said we wish we had like a video blog to go along with our podcast because this is really cool. And just to give kind of a visual for the listeners at home, we're in the studio at Rogata, which Kenny's going to talk about here in a bit, but beautiful space, brand new. Uh, you've got benches, workout benches. We've got 20 Concept 2 rowers. So for those folks in the fitness world that know what a Concept 2 rower is, it's the, the, the row of all rowers, as we were saying before we started recording. It's the standard. It's the standard, the gold standard. And for those who don't know what it is, look it up uh, because it's one hell of a, a workout machine. I was going to say like an evil machine, but we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to give that, that negative Tough. Kind I don't of know if I'd call it evil, but evil, definitely but effective. Let's say correct. That. Correct. Great, great piece of machinery, a great workout. So with that, Kenny, for our listeners at home, as we always give our guests the opportunity to give your background and your kind of your backstory. And as I always tell our guests, you can share as much of your background or as little, and then we'll take you from there. Yeah, sure. So uh, my backstory and how I got into Rogata um, starts off with my life in the corporate world, being a lawyer here in New York City. Um, even before that, um, I grew up, um, in Westchester, right around New York city. Um, I went to university of Michigan for college. Um, when I was there, I, I, I worked real hard and was one of those typical people graduating around the recession that, uh, didn't really know what to do, um, and couldn't really find, uh, a job. So like all those other people decided to go to law school, um, so I uh, worked for a year after, um, after college as a paralegal in New York City um, and thought, thought, all right, this is going to be a pretty good experience for me um, going forward. I ended up um, attending Fordham Law School um, the following year after that. Um, and, you know, at Fordham and, and being in law school, it's, the instruction is pretty clear. It's just do well your first year, get a job, stay on this course live your life and you know one day you'll be a partner at a law firm um, and all will be well so at that stage of my life i was young i thought i had everything pretty much figured out um as most of us do right as we <laughs> yeah, think right yeah as as a 23 year old thought i knew everything yeah. in the world um very clearly did not um but you know i spent three years at fordham i uh, i graduated and i started working um in kirkland alice new york city where I focused on um, kind of like corporate, private equity, M&A transactions. Um, and I would say within the first two weeks of being on the job, um, I recognized that that was not what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and it was, it was difficult because, you know, your whole life and, and particularly in law school, I was like, okay, like everything's set. You just need to get to the next level and then you do this and then you do this. And so I was like, oh man, I just spent three years in law school. 
I'm at, you know, what everyone says is kind of a top tier firm. Why would I ever do something else? Um, obviously the pay is great, but I knew that I wouldn't be happy my whole life in that role. So, um, (laughs) which is important because a lot of people go through that process for years and years. And at least you knew early on, like, Hey, this wasn't, you know, what I envisioned long-term. I, I recognize that very early and, you know, we'll probably get into this, but given my background and kind of like understanding that, you know, life is short and you've got to make, um, you know, you got to make the most out of every second. And, uh, it's really not worth kind of spending your time in a place that you're unhappy and kind of like finding what it is you're passionate about and really living, um, every moment of your life doing something that you love. So, um, (laughs) As I was at the firm, I really did did a lot of soul searching and really tried to figure out what is it that really makes me happy, um, you know, at that point and, and throughout my whole life. And really, it always just came back to sports and fitness. Um, I grew up playing football, hockey, lacrosse, and um, really the, the most joy that I ever got was playing those sports and also coaching people and teaching them um, the proper ways to move and the proper ways to kind of enjoy themselves through physical activity. So a couple of things became clear to me in my first couple of years at the firm. One is that I, you know, I, I didn't have an intention of doing that my whole life and B that I really wanted to do something in the fitness world. Um, so, uh, a couple of years in, I, or for my first year in the firm, I found CrossFit. Um, I started, um, going to, um, a box kind of near, uh, the firm with a couple of friends. And that was a real game changer for my life. Um, I found a, a community of people that I loved. I found an activity that really pushed and challenged me in a way that nothing had ever done before. Um, and, uh, realized that, um, this fitness world is sort of like what I want to be a part of. Um, and what that, year was that Kenny? So that was, so I started doing CrossFit in 2015. Um, I, I started the firm in 2014 and 2015, I started doing CrossFit. Um, and so, uh, for me, that was really my escape from the rest of my day. Um, I would come in first thing in the morning, get an incredible early morning workout and, you know, couldn't wait for the next morning to come in. So, I knew that I wanted to do something in fitness and I knew that I wanted to offer sort of that same refuge that I found through fitness for as many people as possible. Um, so fast forward, fast forward, and here we are today. <laughs> so the idea then to kind of, you know, do something on your own really came from that introduction to CrossFit back in 2015. And if for listeners at home that don't know a lot about CrossFit, I mean, I think CrossFit was still kind of in its infancy. Well, it wasn't in its infancy, but it still wasn't mainstream in 2015. I think, you know, not until like really last year, I mean, which was kind of the height of the CrossFit games when they were on CBS Sports and you had, you know, 150 worldwide media markets at the CrossFit games and they had the regionals. And then it all shifted this year with all the changes they've made, but really the, I think the height from a media perspective was really 2018 with CrossFit. So you were kind of coming in, not necessarily in the front end, but almost on the, the, the height of it, you know, on that climb up. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, when I started doing it, everyone was like, oh man, what is this crazy CrossFit yeah. thing you're doing? It was like, the cult back then. That's what they used to call exa- it. Yeah, that's exactly that what it was. It was. Um, you know, everyone thought I was a crazy guy for like throwing around barbells. Um, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the thing that was great about it is that you find a lot of, I call it like-minded psychos who are also <laughs> doing the same thing, um, which makes it fun as well. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of... I think in community though, like mm-hmm. in rather like, you know, we do a lot with marathoning, which we'll talk about here in a second. You yep. did the marathon. There's a lot of like-minded psychos that exactly. want to run marathons yeah. and ultra marathons and CrossFit competitions and the like. So you have this idea or you have the the kind of really the the start of something, but then I know we you, we went fast forward there, but where does this concept come from? Yeah. What you guys have started here. Yeah. So uh, Nadav, my other, my other co-founder and I, we, uh, we actually met at the law firm and we were doing CrossFit together for a number of years as well. Um, neither he nor I ever rode on water. We were not part of crew. Um, we got introduced to the rowing machine, particularly the concept two through CrossFit. Um, and really, so it was through that experience that we recognize kind of the effectiveness of this, the machine, the um, ability to be low impact and full body, and even more importantly, the uh, ability to sort of program all this content using the rower as a supplement. So, um, you know, it's not just a matter of getting on the machine and rowing for 5,000 meters, but understanding that you could use the machine to do quick spurts of, you know, calorie rows or even 200 meter sprints, get off, do some dumbbell snatches, do squats, do push-ups, anything else, get back on and sort of get this full high intensity interval training workout. So, um, that was really how we got introduced to the rowing machine and kind of just, um, struck a chord in terms of, wow, like there's a lot that you could create a lot of content that you could create around this machine. Um, so we got to the point, um, a few years, I was a few years into the firm and I've been there for several years as well. Um, where this idea of just creating some sort of rowing-based content started brewing. Um, so this was um, in 2017 at this stage. Uh, I decided to take a leave of absence for the firm the firm, and they were great about um, giving me kind of an opportunity to pursue something in fitness around this rowing space. Um, at the time, what I wanted to do was to create some sort of at-home um, rowing based program kind of similar to you know your peloton where you'd base this kind of high intensity interval training program around an at-home rower um so i was i left the firm in june 2017 and um was sort of just investing in this concept talking to investors kind of like throwing this idea around um at the same time nadav was just fed up with lawyer life and uh he had basically just left the firm uh, moved out to Hawaii, to Hawaii to live in a shack and train for his second Ironman. Um, and as these ideas started brewing, Nadav and I sort of stayed in touch and was kind of keeping him abreast of what was going on in New York um, and really just kind of dragged his ass back to New York to um, help me create what Rogata was. So again, at the time, we were kind of investigating this, this at-home product. Um, but as we kind of learned and learned more and more about the process, what we really wanted to do was kind of really create this physical brick and mortar experience where people could come in, test out this workout, and then you know going forward, 
maybe that's an expansion idea, but really our concept was we want to put this in front of people live um, and really get them in here and, and, and get the feedback and create like an incredible experience. So if you had to go out on a limb and uh, put your hair on the spot here for a second, Kenny, because you talked about when you left the firm, you had this concept of doing like a Peloton, like at home, online, and then it quickly shifted to like a brick and mortar. Yeah. So was there trial and error in there or what was kind of the process or there was there a, like a curve in there somehow or, yeah. you know, and, and the other question that I have, which you may answer in this, it wasn't like you guys were sitting at the table at lunch one day at the law firm going, Hey, I got this idea for it. You guys just like decided to do it one day. Yeah. So <laughs> there was a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. We, um, you know, we kind of raised an initial round of funding for this this kind of like at-home concept. Um, and we were working on developing software for it, designing the software. And in addition, we're working on um, kind of like designing kind of like a new piece of hardware. Um, that was really the extremely, extremely difficult part um, and really made us realize, look, like, we're going through hoops and like all this crazy stuff just to deliver the experience that we, this vision that we have in mind. Why don't we just open up a physical location and sort of like pivot in that direction? Um, the, the hardware, I mean, anyone who goes into the hardware business will tell you the hardware is tough. It's very, very tough. Um, we were working with designers in New York and also uh, manufacturers overseas to try to get this product. And it just, it was not coming out right. It absolutely wasn't. So we really had to look harder ourselves in the mirror and figure out, look, what is the best way to get this vision like across to as many people as we can? And like, if we keep doing this, this might never happen or it's going to take forever. So uh, trial and error was definitely like a good way to say it. Definitely a lot of error. Um, but we're lucky because it sort of gave us this concept or give us this idea to then bring this experience um, in a brick and mortar space, which um, we also feel is, is, you know, we were talking about a little bit before is, is really kind of a huge market, right? Like a lot of people are coming out with at-home products and it's a very big market, but nothing will ever truly replicate the in-class experience um, because nothing really can truly replicate, replicate that human peer-to-peer -peer interaction and kind of community and social experience. Um, that we thought was really, really important to introduce our concept. Um, and the other question was... Well, yeah, but I want to stay there for a second yeah. because I, and the reason why I asked the question is I think for our audience listening at home, I mean, everyone here is like, everyone sees the success, right? Like, hey, you're open, you're here in Union Square, you know, on 14th Street and, you know, beautiful new facility, but the trial and error to get to this you know, is probably, you know, the, the real lesson in all of this. And that's where yeah. the real work is done. Similar to any, you know, we talk a lot about marathon training, you know, you, you just don't show up on race day to yeah. use a very simplistic analogy yeah. and finish a race and feel good or, you know, Boston qualify or have a great time. There's a lot of training and there's a lot of trial and error that goes into that for the 
previous six months, years, it could be years, you know, some people train, you know, whether they're losing weight and they get to a certain point and then they start training, you know, so there's a lot of trial and error in that. So that's where I, I just, I wanted to ask that question because I think that's an important lesson for people to listen to that are listening to the podcast to hear that. So it's a great point because now, like you said, you kind of see us on the up and up, right? Yeah. Like everything's looking great, Yeah. but it's taken, it's been over two years since we left the firm and it's been two years of trying things that failed um, and ensuring that at any point uh, we didn't just quit because in these two years, there were a million times we could have said, look, this is not working out. The hardware manufacturers are not working out. The concept's not going to work out. Um, and it was, it was tough. You know, like we, we were kind of living off our savings from, um, from the law firm the dog basically lived on my couch for many nights of the year. Um, and I live in a studio with my girlfriend. So yeah. it's pretty tight. Three's quarters. A company. Yeah, exactly. We got, got a nice throuple going. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're right. It was very, very, very tough to get to this point. A lot, a lot of things went wrong. Um, there were many times where we could have said, look, like, why don't we go back to our law firm jobs? We'll at least make good money. Um, but we always do in the back of our minds, A, that's not going to make us happy. Um, and B, like, you know, we're both just people that we don't quit, you know, like we will never, it's never acceptable for us to quit. Like we said a million times, like we're going to make this work. Um, you know, <laughs> Nadal's done it again, a couple of Ironmen, which is, you need to have that mentality to complete a race like that. Um, and it, it's, it, it's, it's definitely been tough. It's definitely been tough. Um, but anything that is kind of like this is really worth the tough times and, and the hard work. And the hope is that you just keep pushing, you keep moving and you get to a point where you open a space on 14th street and hopefully it all works out. <laughs> true. True. I mean, that's so powerful though. I mean, I think, you, you know, the one lesson for audience listening at home you know, as again, I go back to like, I think everyone tends to look and I think social media has a big part of this and where we are today in society is like everyone looks at like the greatness of everyone, but they don't realize the struggle of people, not necessarily struggle, but the trial and error, like mm -hmm. the, the, the learning curve that is there to get to this point. And now you're still growing and there's going to be plenty of other learning that you'll do along the way as well to reach the next podium of success that's in your, you know, plans and what you guys have. My other question was, was this kind of concept that we're sitting in here, was this at like the lunch table at some point in the law firm? Or was it like, hey, I, I know I wanted to do something fitness. I'm out. I got this idea. And then, you know, Nadav said, hey, I'm out. I'm going to go do Ironmans yeah. and live in Hawaii and, and, you know, drink coconut water all day. Yeah. Um, or was it kind of predestined, I guess, or pre-planned? So, so the rowing-based content was something that I had been thinking about since, um, since I was at the firm. Um, the way it sort of developed into this, um, definitely, as you know, took years of, of development. Um, so, you know, there are a couple of things we knew we, we wanted to do. Um, one was we wanted to create some sort of content that is not just rowing focused, right? Like our name is Rogata, but if you come into class, if you do the workout, if you hear the terminology, this is not a class is just for rowers. We think of this as, you know, a, just a general boot camp fitness class. Um, 
so that, you know, the way we, we wanted to kind of introduce Rogata in that way sort of developed over time. But, um, you know, there was always an idea kind of way back when to have something based around rowing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just, we kind of had this vision for a couple of years of getting people, more people on rowers, getting, um, people who, for example, have running issues, right? Like there's a lot of people who go to these classes that don't like to go on the treadmill and we wanted to create a class and a concept that enabled those people to come in and, um, get a kind of like a low impact workout experience. Um, and then kind of like the last thing is, look, we, we're not the first rowing studio to exist. Um, but, uh, we felt confident that we were going to be able to create kind of, um, you know, the ultimate or a little, you know, improved experience, um, compared to kind of like the other offerings that are out there and really wanted to make sure that we just, the goal has always been to create the most amazing experience for, for the athlete, for the customer. So it's taken two years to think through all the things that really are those touch points and what make this kind of experience as good as possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, we, we want to do something rowing based and just sort of evolved over time. So this is a great segue, Kenny. Let's talk about the concept and what you guys are doing in terms of the programming. Cause I know before we started to record, um, you and I were talking about like today is like core day. Um, uh, but let's talk about what you guys are doing, how it's set up and, for our listeners at home, gives them an idea if they're local here in the New York area or if they're traveling to New York, now they have an idea about what Rogata is all about in terms of the, the programming and the exercise and what's being done. Yeah, sure. So uh, as we're looking in the studio here, we've got 20 uh, rowers lined up on one end, and then we also have 20 floor stations. Um, these floor stations uh, consist of these fit benches that we're sitting on right now. Um, and the fit benches um, include dumbbells, kettlebells, resistance bands, and a slam ball. Um, and so essentially the way the class works is that you get two intervals on the rower and two intervals on these floor stations for kind of a full body um, resistance training workout. Um, so if you sign up, for example, on rower uh, number 13, that's where you start for the class. Then you're going to go um, after about nine or 10 minutes to floor station um, number 13, and then you're gonna go back to the rower and then back to the floor station for a full 50 minute workout. The way that um, the program works is each day has a different um, emphasis or, or body focus. So it's rowing, it's resistance training, it's full body work every day. But on Mondays, we have our upper body focus day. On Tuesdays, lower body. Wednesdays, today is core. Thursdays is endurance. Friday is sort of a strength and power focus. Saturday is our um, full body workout. And Sunday is what we call a mystery box. So it could be any of the above and the athletes find out when they come that day. Um, really the, the idea is that we want people to be able to come back every day, get a totally different varied workout. Um, so one, they're you know, re reducing the risk of injury. Um, two, making sure that they... Um, you know, really get effective full body focus, um, for, you know, ultimate results. Um, and, uh, and third, just, it's just more fun to have variability in the workout so that, you know, you don't, you're not coming back the next day and doing something, um, that the exact same thing that you did the day before. 
Um, so really like the way that all these weights are set up, um, is the workout is as easy as hard or as hard as, as you want it to be, particularly on the concept two, you create really your own resistance on those. So, um, people have kind of like, they'll find their base rate and then they'll work off that. So it's all, um, based off of kind of like personal, um, work capacity. Um, again, same thing with the fit benches. We've got a whole range of weights. So if you want to pick up a lightweight or a medium or, or, an, or a heavy weight, that might be totally different for somebody else. So the goal is really to introduce kind of like a high intensity interval training workout in a fun, low impact environment. So it's really, you know, and this is kind of a term within fitness. I mean, it's completely scalable. Yes. And I think that's one thing when people go to other types of fitness, you know, like the prescribed weight is X mm -hmm. and they do scale that down, but this is really up to the person to decide like, Hey, if I want to use the 30 pound dumbbells, I use a 30 pound and, you know, get that sweat on or that pump on, or if I want to use the 15 pound dumbbells, I'm going to use the 15. Yeah, no, that, that that's exactly right. And, and just the general approach to Rogata is we want this to be sort of an inclusive place, non-intimidating atmosphere where, you know, someone who's a famous CrossFit athlete can come in here, get an amazing workout, but somebody who's never been in a studio or, or in a gym in their lives can also come in here and get proper instruction and get a great sweat and, and live healthier lives. That's really the ultimate goal. So you may have just answered my next question, but ideal person that you guys want to see come through the doors? <laughs> Honestly, anybody. That's really, that's really the answer. Um, we've created this content and this, this program and, you know, instructor our coaches in such a way that we want everybody to come in here and feel comfortable. So one of the things that we do is if you are a first timer and you've never been on a rowing machine, you come to class 15 minutes earlier, our coach provides, um, individualized kind of personal instruction to, um, those folks so that when they come into class, they have an understanding of proper form on the rower and sort of what they can expect for the workout. Um, yeah. So for us, it's really, we, we want as many people in here, um, you know, that we, all sorts of different types of people. And we've had CrossFit athletes come in here and we've had people come in who've never been on a rowing machine in their lives. So it's great to see that. And in terms of uh, membership right now, for those folks that may be listening here in the New York City area that want to come in, can they drop in? Is there a monthly fee or how does that, how are you guys working that? Yeah. So, so right now we don't have a monthly membership. We have drop-in rates and you can also buy, um, uh, class packages as well. So five, 10, 25, 50 packs. Um, right now, since it's opening month, we have kind of discounted rates all throughout the rest of the month. If you are a first timer, you can also through Friday, get your first class free, or we also have kind of a two for one special. Um, so you get, you know, two classes for the price of one. Um, we may add memberships going forward. Um, we'd love to have people coming in here on, on you know, kind of a daily basis. Um, but for right now, it's kind of these uh, drop-in rates. Cool. And class schedule, I know we talked about this a little bit offline, but you guys are offering a full variety of class schedule. I know you said the days of the week, but in terms of timing. Yeah. So our, our first class in the morning is at 6 a.m. Um, and we have, you know, three more classes after that in the morning. We have 7, uh, sorry, 7.05, 8.10, and, uh, and at 9.30 in the mornings during the week. And then we also a couple of times a week have a, a lunchtime class at 12.15, 
and then three classes in the evening starting at 5.20, um, 6.30, and then 7.35. Um, and then the weekends, you know, classes in the morning going to the afternoon. And we would love to add more classes um, as well to the schedule, but that's sort of what we're looking at for now. It's a pretty full schedule right yeah. now. And you guys have coaches. You've got a full staff here of coaches. I just met uh, the young gentleman who's you know, going for his CrossFit, I think level four, he said. Level, level, level three. three. Level, level three. three. I, I don't, He's on there, his way is there. Is there a four? There's a four, there's but a four, yeah. there's not, I don't think there's many people in the world that have it. No. <laughs> and and there's not a lot of people who are level three even for that no, matter. No, I mean, a lot tough. of people are CrossFit level one, which is pretty attainable. And then that two is very hard. I, I'm a level one. Oh, so you are anyone level can one? be a level one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your fee. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so you've got a great staff here um, in terms of coaches, and I saw on the website you got them all listed so people can get more information. We are going to share the website where to find out more in a little bit. But the other thing I wanted to say is this is really an impressive space. And, and I said to Kenny um, before we started recording, you know, years ago I traveled a ton. For our listeners at home, I still travel a ton, but I used to drop into a lot of gyms across the world, uh, across the country, not the world. But And the facility here is really impressive because – um, you've got a great communal space downstairs, which we'll talk about here, but great showers. I mean, beautiful space. So people can come here before they go to work or if they are working out and they necessarily don't have to go home to shower and change, they can do that on here, Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is great. Yeah. And I appreciate it. As someone who travels a lot, <laughs> For sure. it's great to get a, a sweat in somewhere and then being able to shower and not smell like a dirty gym sock while you're traveling is, yeah, that's, is, that's, is that's, helpful. It's the little things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, little things. But those are big things. <laughs> yeah. But your commu- you also have a space downstairs, and yeah. let's talk about that because I think that's really cool because yeah. you know we talked about some of the other brands that are out there doing group-type fitness. They don't really offer – it's like you're in and you're out. You're in and yeah. out. Yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly right. So we have a space downstairs. We call it our athlete huddle room. Um, and it's really just a space that's set up for people to come, warm up, cool down. Um, we've got a couple of Theraguns in there, foam rollers, lacrosse balls. Um, we also have a little mural down there that people like to take pictures in front of. And we also have a, a wall where you can write um, kind of like dry erase markers on People write their their PRs and announcements and all sort of stuff like that. Um, and this room we felt was very important because we wanted it to be a place where our athletes are all interacting with each other. Um, like you just mentioned, you know, there's a lot of group fitness offerings in the city. A lot of people that feel very connected to the brand, but if you walk into a class, you don't really see people interacting with each other. And this is something that we felt was very important to build the Rogata community. And also something that gets back to Nadav, my partner, and, and, and our CrossFit background, um, which is really kind of like creating that community where people walk in, they recognize each other and they say, hey, Dino, like awesome workout yesterday. Like, you know, how's your, you know, what'd you do last night? You don't see that too much in the boutique fitness space. So that is our, um, you know, that room kind of is our way of creating the space where people can get to know each other. We're not only, again, our coaches are interacting with the athletes down there, but the athletes are interacting with each other and um, just a place to really foster this community. Awesome. What's your five-year goal with Rogata? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, do you guys have a business plan? We do. We do. We're, you know, we're former corporate lawyers, so, yeah. you know, we've so got, we've got that locked down. Planning. Um, but look, like really the focus now is, I mean, this Union Square location is our baby. Um, the goal is to kind of create brand awareness, um, get as many people in here as we can, because 
we're confident that we've created an amazing experience. And now it's just kind of getting people to, um, to come in and, and, and exp you know, experience what we've created. Um, once, you know, the goal is hopefully that, you know, people come in here, they're loving it. And, you know, we're basically requested to expand to other places. Um, you know, we're not really looking to franchise all across the country, um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we just sort of want to, um, we want to really be able to control the brand and make sure that, you know, we have kind of the same Rogata feel at every studio that, you know, would open in the future. Um, and really just, just grow responsibly, right? We, um, you know, we have, um, a bunch of investors who are, um, know me and Nadav personally for the most part. Um, we've put in a lot of our own money to make this happen. Um, you know, so we don't have like a lot of people out there sort of forcing things down our throats, you know, making sure that we hit certain numbers in the future. Really our focus is just creating the best experience for people. Um, and whether that's through this one location or many locations, in New York or in other cities in the future, um, you know, it, we'll see. I, I hope it's the latter. <laughs> so we'll put you on the spot here. So what's the benchmark like in five years? Like what, what do you guys hope to attain per your plan? Yeah. I, I mean, look, so, so we definitely like to open, open up a, at least one or two other studios in New York. Um, Nadav is, is from Miami. So his dream is opening up a Rogata location in, in Miami. Um, really we'd like to hit all kind of like the major cities, right? So, um, LA, San Francisco, um, Chicago, Austin, um, where kind of like these big fitness communities and younger population in particular are who really just love fitness. Um, and you know, kind of just, just going from there again, just kind of like growing responsibly, um, making sure that the feel of the brand really stays intact as we, as we expand. Good stuff. Were you ever an entrepreneur when you were little? <laughs> um, in little ways, um, you know, I guess every kid kind of opens up a lemonade stand at some point on the corner. So little things Paper like route. that. Yeah. I mean, little, little, you know, little tiny things like that growing up. Um, but the one thing I always did growing up was just, um, I, I worked hard, you know, um, and I think that has been the best lesson for me as an entrepreneur is just not giving up and just staying focused and, and just getting the job done. Um, and that kind of started with my athletic career when I was younger, you know, I, I, I always got sort of like recognition for just kind of like coaches award and just, just being focused and hard work. Um, and then, you know, once my athletic career finished, um, you know, it was sort of just a matter of figuring out where to divert all that energy and focus. Um, and so, you know, just kind of not giving up. Um, and any job that I did when I was younger, it could be the stupidest thing ever. I mean, I worked, I worked construction, I worked as a laborer, I performed jobs that, um, you know, all I did all day was file, but you best believe those are the best filings you've ever seen in your life. Um, so, just kind of like that, that work ethic is something that's really been helpful for me as an entrepreneur. Who do you look up to? Like, do you have mentors personally or, you know, hypothetically, you know, like a Tony Robbins or the rock or someone that, you know, you aspire, or you get inspiration from for what you guys are doing here? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if I have an exact name, but in general, the people that I aspire to be are successful 
Um, those who are successful, but are also humble. There's a lot of people out there who, you know, achieve great success in any way you want to define it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, particularly in New York city that make a lot of money, but, um, like to show it and also, um, are not very happy with like either how they make the money or, or their lives in general. Um, Isn't so that crazy. It, it's people crazy. People make a ton of money <laughs> that should be happy, but aren't happy. And there's always that adage, right? Money doesn't make you happy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's very, very true. Like uh, even, you know, Nadav and I always say now, like we don't live the lives we used to live, like not even close, but we are exponentially happier than we were, yeah. um, you know, in our, in our former lives. Um, but yeah, it's, re it's really the ability to sort of like achieve success and um, maintain that humility that I always respect in people. Awesome. I want to shift gears here. You came to us last year, you ran the marathon, but you have a connection to pancreatic cancer. So let's talk about that. Sure. So, uh, you know, as I said, I grew up um, in Westchester around the city um, and it was senior year um, of high school uh, where we came back from a, a family trip, um, December of that year. And all of a sudden learned, uh, that my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So I'm sure as some of your listeners know, um, most times a diagnosis, diagnosis of the pancreatic cancer is you know, pretty much a death sentence. Um, it was obviously incredibly shocking to my family. Um, you know, when my, when my father was first diagnosed, it was, the doctors gave him six weeks to live. That, um, it was shocking. It was, it was really shocking. It's, you don't even really know how to react. Um, so at that stage, I mean, my, my father pretty shortly after that, um, essentially moved into New York Presbyterian Hospital. Um, they were amazing, amazing, amazing caretakers. Um, only have great things to say about them, but as you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, so we actually ended up having six months um, with my dad after he was diagnosed. Um, those six months were, were <laughs> horrible, but also amazing at the same time. Um, it really gave us a chance to kind of come together as a family. I have two other brothers, an older brother, a younger brother. Um, and, you know, my mom, we were all together, really just brought us close. Um, it really just taught us kind of what the important things were in life. Um, I remember there was one day, you know, actually a couple of weeks before my dad ended up passing away where we were all actually sitting at home. He got let out of the hospital for a little bit. And I just remember my dad sitting outside and, and just seeing a smile on his face. And just, I just remember just asking, Hey dad, like what's, what are you so happy about? And he's just, I'm out here like listening to birds and just like sitting in the sun. And at that point it hit me and just thinking like all these things that people get upset and stressed about, like the ability to just be alive is, is happiness in and of itself. So, um, it was a couple of weeks after that, um, right around actually my high school graduation, which I ended up missing, um, where my father actually passed away. So, um, that was in, um, June of 2006 and it was really at that time where I said, look, like I want to do something special with my life. You know, I want to do something special with my life and I want to contribute 
in any way possible to ensuring that other families and other people don't have to go through the same thing that we did it and, and my father did. Um, so at that stage, you know, right after that, we immediately started trying to raise funds for pancreatic cancer research, um, worked with, um, you know, kind of a, a variety of different organizations to try to make that happen. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've held, held sort of personal fundraisers, family fundraisers, um, and then decided, you know, one year, what is the best way to sort of commemorate? commemorate his his strength um and sort of give back and i said look i'm just i love fitness let me let me give a shot at this marathon thing so um decided to run in his honor and um found project purple and dino and you guys were absolutely awesome and you never ran a marathon before that never ran a marathon in so fact pr in new york city <laughs> pr in new york city <laughs> Um, I don't like running long distances, by the way. <laughs> you learned uh, that. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, but look, like each time I was training and out on my long runs, I just thought like, okay, I might, you know, feel kind of achy right now. I don't know if I want to keep doing this, but what would my dad have done in this situation? And I really, I, I had those thoughts constantly. And even during the marathon itself, when, you know, you're on that 23rd mile and you're just, you're just in pain and you're just one foot after the other at that stage, just thought, you know, look, like the things that my dad was able to pull through and, and survive through um, really gave me the strength to just keep going. So the marathon, I, I think I'm in pretty good shape. I will say the marathon was tough, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a great way to sort of honor my dad and, and, and raise funds and, and give back in that way. Well, we appreciate your family's support of our mission, and it was great to have you on that journey last year. It was pretty special. I know you got the chance, you and your mom, to join us at our, our luncheon with the doctors and talk about like the things we're doing with research and everything, which is really special. And to see, you know, it's it's really humbling to me to see the families come together on that weekend and just really like embrace your struggle through the marathon. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean struggle, but like the, it's a struggle. I mean, yeah. like, listen, running 26 miles sucks. It's not easy. It's not <laughs> easy. So like the struggle that the participants have going through that, but it's like this joyous occasion. So no matter how hard it is or how bad it gets, like people, the families embrace it and the runners embrace it and you get yeah. through it. You find a way. Yeah. And, and, and New York City Marathon in, in particular is amazing. I mean, it was oh, like, you remember last year was a beautiful yeah. day and the crowds are out throughout the entire 26.2 mile stretch cheering you on. And it's just an incredible, incredible atmosphere. So you're done running full marathons, then, is what you're saying? Uh, I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> well, we've got the New York City half coming up in March. Yeah. So I mean, there might yeah. be some things in the works we'll talk about after. Uh, Serious question here. I'm hearing you talk, and, and uh, thank you for being open and honest with us with that story about your dad. Do you think that moment that you mentioned about him just sitting there kind of brings you back to that moment that you had at work going like, hey, like I, I went through all this. I'm here, but I'm not in love with here. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And... You know, it's funny because I was sitting there and I was just, uh, I thought, how are there so many people that are in my position and just accept that this is sort of the way it has to be? Um, I can't tell you how many times I thought about my dad and about, you know, how look, like I, I could not be around tomorrow. 
And is this the way I want to live my life in a way that, you know, doesn't make me happy? Um, and yeah, all those experiences really made me understand that, you know, life is short. You've got to make the most of it and whatever way that you can find happiness and, you know, create something special with your life is, is what you've got to do. And it, it, having that experience and my father being sick and, and, you know, ultimately passing away really just, um, opened up that perspective, um, which made me realize that, look, I, I have to make the switch. I have to make the jump. Um, and people, people say all the time, like, I can't believe you were, you know, you made the jump. That's so crazy. Like I, like, you know, how did were you scared doing that? And my response has always been, you know, I, I was more scared of waking up 10 years from now and being in the same place that I am. So, uh, it definitely impacted my uh, perspective. It's powerful. And I, couldn't agree with you more because I think uh, I've said to a lot of families, sometimes we go through this tragic turn of events and we don't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel, but some days, not every day, Kenny, and maybe you feel the same way. I feel like it's a blessing to have experienced what I experienced. We all mm -hmm. do die. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying that I, I don't miss my dad and I, I miss him every day. But it's also a blessing to see what's come up out of it and the people that we've connected with and the lessons we've learned through that. So it's it's pretty powerful stuff. But a lot of people don't ever see that, No, which is sad. It, it, it is. It's sometimes you, you feel sad that others don't have that perspective that you yeah. gained. Yeah. yeah. So we've had to suffer this Im immense loss and this immense pain to receive that on the back end. Powerful stuff. All right, shifting gears here. What's the most powerful advice you've been given through this whole journey that you can share with our audience? So uh, just keep moving, just keep, keep moving. I know we talked about that a little bit with the work ethic, but uh, you know, the, the most helpful advice is from entrepreneurs who sort of done it themselves and understand this whole process, including yourself. And this is something that you've told me and, and, and many others, and I appreciate it. Just, just keep going. And it's, it's like the marathon. You just yeah. one foot in front of the other, keep moving. That's really it. What are you most excited about over the next 12 months for Rogata? I'm excited about people just getting in here and, and having fun. Like nothing makes me happier than seeing a full class of people just having fun, working out, walking out of the room, sweaty and just with smiles on their faces. Sometimes some of them are, <laughs> some of them take a couple more minutes for those smiles to come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just excited to see, you know, kind of more and more people filling up this place and, and just having fun. Awesome. Well, when I was in, I came here a little bit earlier. I got a lot of uh, wet, uh, sloppy high fives because everyone was all sweaty, <laughs> but it's all good. Yeah. I know. I know that was coming. All right. So for our listeners at home, last question, whether is the best place to them for them to learn more information about what you're doing here at Rogata? Yeah. So we've got uh, on our website, we have a lot of information. It's www.rogata.com. That's R-O-W-G-A-T-T-A. -T -T um, we also have um, an Instagram page up. It's rogata underscore NYC, where we um, post all sorts of things on specials and kind of like what's going on around the community. Um, and you can also just stop by. We have lovely front desk staff, which includes myself right now. 
Um, and everyone here is happy to provide a tour and, and give you a little bit uh, uh, more information about the studio. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kenny, for sharing what you're doing here at Rogata. We hope we'll be hearing a lot from you here in the future. I think we will be. And uh, best of luck. I know you're going to be successful, you and Nadav. This is a great facility, great concept for our listeners at home. When you're in New York City, come by, say hi, take a class, get a sweat on, and tell them Project Purple sent you. And that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Yeah.